You are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. Okay, so today we are starting a new message series. We're going to be looking at uh, working through the parables of Jesus. Ooh. And today's message is called Seeing Heaven on Earth. So we want to really, today's message is the introduction to the message series. So we're really laying the ground for what the parables are about, what parables achieve, does Jesus still use parables today? There are 39 recorded parables that Jesus spoke. I don't know whether you knew that or not. The Gospel of Matthew has 20 parables as listed in the King James Version. The Gospel of Mark has nine parables. Seven of them them are repeat parables in the book of Matthew, while the other two are new entries. The Gospel of Luke. In Luke, there are 18 parables that are new, and there are 10 that are repeated. And then if you look in John, I could give you the breakdown of all those, but I'll not do that right now. If you want them, just send me an email and I'll send that to you. The Gospel of John, although there is no mention of parables in this book, there are two that retell parables from previous books. And in the 10th chapter, John looks at the Good Shepherd, and in the 15th, he rehashes basically the vine as a rehash of another parable. And John tells us that Jesus did, maybe you, I'm sure you all know this verse, but if you think about this verse, it can blow your mind. John says in uh, 21, verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So we're not wrong to assume that Jesus spoke out many, many other parables. It was how he taught, and there are several reasons for that. So we're not wrong to assume that there are more than uh, 39 that Jesus spoke when he was on the earth. So we have the Spirit of Christ, don't we? Raise your hand if you do. We have the Spirit of Christ. I believe, therefore, that Jesus Christ is still using parables to teach us about the kingdom of God. Would you agree with that? Have you found that the Spirit tends to make parables out of the situations in your life to present to you what is actually going on? Maybe you haven't thought that way. Maybe, hopefully, by the end of this, you may start to consider that that's a possibility. In Romans 1.21, Paul says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Let me read that again. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And God made everything and He said it was good. So we have the Spirit of Christ. Jesus Christ, when He was in but or inhabited a physical form, used parables. I'm suggesting that the Spirit of Christ still uses parables today. And Paul tells us that everything that is created is basically a vehicle to describe what has been previously invisible and indescribable. What do you think about that? 
So what is a parable, you ask me? A parable uses something familiar, something tangible and present, something that's well known to unravel and explain what is complex and in simplicity. So start thinking about the different even sayings that we have, okay? Think about them and we're going to come to that in a wee second. In the Greek, it's made up of two words, the word para. Now think of words, do you know any words that have para? Don't go for paramilitary. Paratrooper. Parallel. Think of parallel and also paraclete. You know the, um, the Holy Spirit in the Greek is described as parakletos. Para means alongside. And then the word bowl means to throw down. So a parable literally is throwing something down alongside. So a parable is throwing something down alongside. And Dallas Willard, um, I was listening to him this morning, and he talks a lot about parables. He said that you set something down by something else to explain what it is. And he said that's a key part of how we think and how we're designed as human beings, that you set something down beside something else to explain what it is. And we have this dynamic present in our language, okay? So if somebody's going through a counseling process, they'll often say that it's, it's peeling the onion. You all familiar with that? And peeling the onion in a counseling setting means what? So you're taking, Tishy said there, you're taking down layer after layer to get to the main issue or the hub of what's actually going on, okay? So peeling the onion, it's parabolic. It's putting down the form of an onion, which is totally ridiculous. I mean, like it's an onion, beside somebody finding healing through a counseling um, or therapeutic process, okay? So I was in uh, Phoenix, and any of you have been in Phoenix, you've probably met Mike. I can't remember Mike's surname. Do you remember Mike's surname? Uh, Mike is a fighter jet pilot, and when I heard that, I nearly wet myself. And he basically is Top Gun. So Mike teaches other fighter jet pilots or trains them how to fly, fly fighter planes, which is quite remarkable. But we were talking about something, and he said to me, you have to figure out whether the juice is worth the squeeze. And when he said that, I was like, oh my goodness, that is so true. So there are certain things that I do not do now because the juice is not worth the squeeze. The juice is not worth the squeeze alongside daily life and often big decisions that we have to make, whether it's car payments or a mortgage or a new job or a relationship or difficulties or whatever it is, the setting down the juice, is it worth the squeeze against that situation is a parable. So are there other examples of parables that we use to explain complex processes in life? Can you think of any? I've only got one more, so I'm hoping that you've got others. It's like riding a bike. The process of riding a bike alongside maybe learning a new skill or uh, even in reference to something that you had practiced for some time and then you pick it up again and it's like riding a bike. You just get back on it and you know how to do it. It's a parable, the bike and the situation. Can you think of any others? Getting back on the horse, absolutely. 
the uh, how you ride a horse or getting back up onto it, and the situation that you've come, you've you've been in, or the you can't ride two horses with one ass. I have used that many, 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 many times in this context because Jesus will often bring us to a situation. He'll let us do two things for a while, but ultimately, as a pastor, I can see it's actually going to come down to Jesus saying, are you willing to just do this one thing, which means they have to let go of the other horse. I remember hearing that in Sweet Home Alabama. You can't ride two horses with one ass, sugar bane. Any others? Beautiful. Take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. In leadership, most people take people to water and shove their heads into it. And they drown them. They're traumatized by the experience and they leave. Whereas actually, if you learn as a leader that you can lead people so far and give them opportunities, but it's up to the individual at the time as to whether they choose to do that or not. Take a horse to water, make it drink. Individuals' choices and what they choose to do. Any others? Have you got one, Ruth? Oh, have you, got a, have you got a slightly rude one, Ruth? <laughs> Would you like to share it in the context? No? Okay, we'll not do that. It's what? It's just not a parable. Okay. Thanks, and Thanks for that save. Okay, here's another one. So, in 2008, I think it was, Andrew was going to a, like a retreat for some youth leaders in Yorkshire. And I was tagging along. And he'd said to each of us, go and find a space. We were staying in this beautiful, privately owned, stately home. And Andrew said this, go and find a space and get time with God, right? So I went to the greenhouse because just, I just thought I would go there. And I was feeling quite overwhelmed by all of these different things that I needed to do. And while I was sitting there, the grapevine caught my eye. And what I noticed about the grapevine was it wasn't just one stem. It had obviously the, the main uh, vine and then lots and lots of branches. And the lots and lots of branches were bearing fruit. And I all of a sudden realized that if I just kept going and stayed connected to Jesus, then there may be several things going on, but they would all bear fruit if I followed his leading. The grapevine and what I was struggling with and needed to understand at that time. So this throwing down alongside to explain what is abstract and complex to us simply. Parables uncover what is secret and hidden. And parables are lenses through which we can focus and see clearly the truth. And the truth sets us? Okay. Parables are invitations to live life in the Spirit and to live life deeply and fully. So why did Jesus speak in parables? So if you have your Bibles there, you can go alongside with me as I read to you from Matthew 13, 10 to 23. Jesus' disciples came to him and said, why do you use parables when you speak to the crowds? And Jesus replied, because they haven't received the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but you have. For those who have will receive more and they will have more than enough. But as for those who don't have, even the little that they will have will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to the crowds in parables. Although they see, they don't really see. And although they hear, they don't really hear or understand. What Isaiah prophesied has become completely true for them. You will hear to be sure, but never understand. You will certainly see, but never recognize what you're seeing. For this, people's senses have become calloused. They've become hard of hearing. They've shut their eyes so that they won't see with their eyes or hear with their ears or understand with their minds and change their hearts and live that I may heal them. 
Happy are your eyes because they see. Happy are your ears because they hear. And I assure you that many prophets and righteous people wanted to see what you see and hear what they, you hear, but they didn't. Consider then the parable of the farmer. Now, please notice this. You've probably read this many, many times, and you've probably heard Jesus' explanation of this many, many times. But I want you to notice that to the crowds, Jesus spoke out the parable without explanation. Who did he speak the interpretation or explanation of the parables to? It's more than that. To the disciples. So Jesus placed the truth in a parable out in the open for everybody to read and to hear. But to those who were his disciples, he sat down and he said, this is what that means. That is part of our inheritance. And it's easy to go, well, he just explained that. But I think Jesus is laying down what he does. Remember, we start, at the start, we said that Jesus is no longer physically here. Well, in, in physical form, he's no longer here. But he is here by his spirit. If we are his disciples, is it too far of a jump to expect that the parables that he is releasing in the earth now we can actually have the interpretation of because we're his disciples and in relationships with him. So consider then, this is what Jesus said, the parable of the farmer. Whenever people hear the word about the kingdom and don't understand it, the evil one comes and carries off what was planted in their hearts. This is the seed that was sown in the path. As for the seed that was spread on rocky ground, this refers to people who hear the word and immediately receive it joyfully. Can you think of people who have been among us who are like that? Can you think of yourself when you've been like that? They hear the word immediately and receive it joyfully because they have no roots, they last for only a little while. When they experience distress or abuse because of the word, they immediately fall away. As for the seed that was spread among thorny, thorny plants, this refers to those who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the false appeal of wealth choke the word and it bears no fruit. Now, if we stop there for one second, if those where the seed had been sown into thorny ground had received discipleship and allowed themselves to be led, is it possible that the thorns and the weeds could have been pulled out? I believe it is. As for what was planted on good soil, this refers to those who hear and understand and bear fruit and produce. In one case, a yield of 100 to 1. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. And in another case, a yield of 30 to 1. So it's probably not that, and I would suggest to you that it isn't that. We're just talking about this is a type of person. These are probably stages that all of us have gone through and have opportunity to go through. Parables, Dallas Willard says, are given to us as an act of mercy to us because our hearts are hard. And you and I know that if we take someone on with a hard heart, we'll get even a harder heart still. And we love stories. They get under our skin and we process them. There are deep truths within if we're willing to discover them. Can you think of any uh, books that you've read or movies that you've seen that Jesus has laid down the, uh, the story alongside the circumstances of your life? 
So, I'm a bit of a movie fan. My number one film is, anybody know? I'm not a smart man, but I know what love he is. Seabiscuit, Lord of the Rings, and of course, my beloved Star Wars. So when I was 25, I'd come up against just one of those personal rough times where you just are all over the place, um, coming up against some generational stuff. And I'd had a situation that had come my way and basically missed it, hadn't uh, responded appropriately. And Jesus had explained to me, it'll come around again, but you need to face this. And in that situation, the story of Luke Skywalker, you can laugh, facing Darth Vader was exactly where I was. And I realized that all of us have to face our Vaders. None of us want to face our Vaders ever. We're terrified by them. They seem more powerful than we are. We have, they have more experience of the things that we have an experience of. But seemingly, God always leads us to face our Vaders. The story of Luke and Darth Vader as a parable was laid down alongside what I was experiencing in my life. And then actually, if you take that story further, Luke Skywalker and facing Vader caused Vader to discover the light again. And before he died, he really said, I've always been a Jedi. I totally got lost. You saved me. Throwing down alongside to explain what is abstract and complex to us simply. And in verse 18, as I've said, Jesus explained the parable of the farmer to his disciples. So you are his disciples. So therefore, expect that he will explain to you by his spirit that what the parable means in your life. And as I'd said before, parables are given to us as an act of mercy to us because our hearts are hard. And you and I know that if we go to someone whose heart is hard and tell them that they're hard-hearted and this is what they're doing wrong, has that ever gone well? Let's talk for a moment about Nathan and what he said as a prophet to David. Do you remember the story? The Lord sent Nathan to David. This is after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba and organized for uh, Uriah to be murdered. Oh, I mean, this is the guy that God says and still says is a man after my own heart. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to me, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and another poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and grew it up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe and lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. And David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if this had been too little, I would have given you more. 
Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonite. Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity on you before your very eyes. I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. And David then said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Tough stuff, isn't it? I've had a few where I've had an adverse reaction to a circumstance and the Lord has said, you're doing the same thing there. I've also watched other circumstances where people are really uh, horrified at injustice and I've seen quite clearly, but they're committing injustice in another section or department of of their lives. Parables uncover our hearts. Parables uncover what is hidden to us, but may well be obvious to others. And we cannot convict others of their sin. I don't know whether you've tried. I don't know whether you've come and said to somebody, you're getting this wrong and you need to recognize that you're getting it wrong. And often people don't receive it because they just feel threatened and attacked. And I've certainly tried that and it doesn't work. It is the work of the Spirit and it is always restorative and redemptive, even though it may be painful. Can I get the worship guys up again, please? In John 16, 8, John says, and when he comes, he will convict the world. This is the spirit he's talking about. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. Parables are given to us as an act of mercy to us because our hearts are hard. And you and I know that if we take someone on with a hard heart, we will get a harder heart still. And if Nathan had come to David and said, I'm a prophet of the Lord, and the Lord says this, David may have yielded to it. But because of the wisdom that Nathan yielded to, he didn't need to talk about sin to David. David was the one who said, I have sinned against the Lord. David declared that. Nathan did not declare it to him. And I want to point out to you that that is the power of a parable. Right now, are you ready? I have a parable for you. Are you all ready to listen? Yep. Yes. And it's appropriate for this morning. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> there were two areas that a gardener was establishing. And in one section, he had plants to sow grass, plant shrubs, and each year color with annuals that needed replaced each year. But it was absolutely beautiful. And the gardens were visited by so many people, and they were enjoyed richly and with delight. And in another section, he was establishing a forest. As time passed, it seemed like the forest had grown little. And in fact, some of the trees had died through the tests of the seasons. But over the years, the little trees grew strong and established. They grew up and out. And when the fullness of time came, they raised the canopy above the path that the gardener had created below. They provided shelter to those walking underneath them. And as they were pruned, the wood was taken off them. It was used to bring warmth. And other pieces were crafted into beautiful sculptures and some for practical purposes. In this house, how appropriate today, 
the Lord is establishing a forest that will provide shelter to those who journey through. So many times I have wanted him to establish a beautiful garden. And when we started this church, I think that that was what I thought he was going to do. It was going to be an Antrim Castle Gardens like Tedbury Market yesterday. It's going to be full of people milling around, visiting, saying how wonderful and beautiful it is. And it was going to be full of bloom and tended to, and the grass was rich and mowed. But that's not what he's doing here. We are the trees in the forest. And this is where we have been planted. And I'm going to speak for you. And we will be faithful to what we've been called to. And we will remain where we've been planted. And we will provide shelter to those who journey on the path that the Lord has set among us. And the branches that are pruned off us will bring warmth to those who need it. And they'll be sculpted into beautiful things. And some bits will be provided for practical purposes. A parable is something that is laid down alongside the things that we might not understand so that the things that are complex and hidden might be clear and concise for us to see and to understand. Could you receive that as a word from the Spirit? Is that good? Yeah. And if you've longed for the beautiful garden, that's okay, but it's not what he's doing here. And therefore, if we keep longing for the beautiful garden, you and I will be deeply disappointed. But if we can recognize that what he wants to grow here are strong and mature oaks that are plantings of the Lord for the display of his splendor, like he talks about and prophesies about in Isaiah, then we'll, we will be about the business of growing tall and strong to stretch a canopy out to provide shelter and beauty and sunlight and strength. So would you stand with me? So here's a question for you. Do you need to understand the parables of Jesus in your own life? And do you want to deepen your journey in being a disciple of Jesus? And do you, need your you have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.